thank you for joining us at Luminous Church. And this morning, we hope that you see Jesus clearly. If you want to know where we're going to be this morning, it's going to be Matthew chapter 28, verse 16 through 20. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there this morning. If you do not have a Bible this morning, we would encourage you to download the Luminous Church app and that you would um, download that and follow along on the notes section. There we provide notes for you every Sunday. And so on, on the notes section, there is a, there's a great poll question. I would just love your feedback on the poll today and, and see, see your responses. Yeah, baby. Everybody turn to your neighbor and go, yeah, baby. Okay, turn to your other neighbor and go, what's up? All right, all right. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Um, I'm going to make you come alive today. It's, uh, it's actually one of my greatest passions is to make you excited about life and excited about being here. And so we'll do all that we can to make that happen for you this morning. And uh, man, just so excited. First off, I want to I just say, man, we had an amazing service last Sunday. Angela Reuter um, shared her testimony. It's powerful. We're trying to um, get that recording. Our actual recorder did not record it, uh, which was so bizarre um, because it stopped right at 10 minutes but still had battery life, all that stuff. So I'm not sure what happened, uh, but we're going to try to get that recording because I just think it's a powerful, powerful testimony that all of us need to hear. Um, it would benefit you uh, tremendously. Two weeks ago, um, we were in our Engaging God series, and I want to apologize real quickly. Um, sometimes when you're up here and you're speaking, um, sometimes you don't really realize what you're saying. And so, uh, believe it or not, that happens. And I just want to apologize because uh, we were talking about worship, and, uh, and I think God did a lot through just our conversation on worship. But I was, I was using a bad analogy, a bad analogy about um, honoring my wife, and I so honor her, and I so love her, and I respect her. But I use um, the um, what's synonymous, synonymous with honor oftentimes is um, worship, right? We honor God and we worship God. And so I said, I worship my wife. And so I want to apologize because I do not worship her. I worship God and God alone and uh, because he is king and he is worthy. And uh, I honor my wife and I love her. And worship is a bad word in the context of my wife. And so I apologize. I have this foot and mouth syndrome. If you know me, it's really embarrassing. I hope to correct it. Um, very soon before Benson gets old enough to recognize that I have this problem. And uh, I, I, I mean, um, the other day we were at the Comfort Inn with the 10 Days team and and, and I, I was encouraging the 10 days team and just said, man, you're awesome. We wanted to get you here as cheap as possible. And that's why, that's why we picked a junkie hotel for you. And right there, the hotel manager was like, what did you say? <sighs> Jesus. <laughs> I just need a lot of grace because this foot is in my mouth, and it is big, and it's a big foot, and it's a big mouth, and I'm praying that God would, um, would do something with that. And in fact, I want what Paul wrote to Colossae, what he wrote to Colossae, and as he was writing the letter of Colossians in Colossians chapter 4, verse 6, let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt. It is my hope that not only would my speech be seasoned with salt from this platform that you allow me to sit in on Sunday morning, not only would it be seasoned there, but it would be seasoned in my home. It would be seasoned when I'm talking to my wife. It would be seasoned when I'm talking to my son and when I'm talking to hotel clerks. And whenever I go, that, that it would be seasoned with salt that so people 
would live without excuse. That's my deep desire, that, that you would live without excuse, that Jesus is who he says he is, and that he's loving, and he's gracious, and he's so amazing. He's so amazing. And so I hope that my life reflects that. It is a great introduction into our sermon this morning. Let's pray. Father, we love you. Jesus, um, I need your words today. Lord, I don't want my words. Um, God, I want your words. I want what you want to do and what you want to say, Father. And I pray in the next few minutes that people who came into this worship center would leave differently. That's our prayer. That's our heart. We love you, Jesus. Amen. In Matthew 28, verse 16, it says, Now the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus, to which Jesus had directed them. To set it up, Jesus lived an amazing 33 years on earth. I say it's amazing because he's the only one who lived perfectly. He lived a perfect life, never sinning, never lying, never thinking evil, never filled with lust, never doing any of these things perfect in all his ways and unjustly accused and crucified. And three days later, he rose again, and here he is appearing to his disciples, the ones that he called out three years ago to follow him. He's hanging out with them, and he says, go to the mountain over there. I'm going to meet you. And when they saw him, they worshiped him. It's always our response when we see Jesus. We fall down in worship. It's why our vision at Luminous Church is to see Jesus clearly. Because if we see Jesus, then our response will be a life of worship. It's really my hope. It's really my desire that our life would be that. John Piper says this, missions is not the ultimate goal of the church. He says, um, missions exist. Oh, no. Let me re-say that. Goodness. Missions is not the ultimate goal of the church. Worship is. Missions exist because worship doesn't. And I think that's just a powerful thing for us, that, that us, we live on mission, and here we're in the great commission for our lives and what we're supposed to live to draw people to Jesus so that they can enter into a relationship and move into a posture of worship with everything they do and say. I really think that's true. And so when they saw Jesus in verse 17, they worshiped him, but some doubted. Some doubted. I, I was thinking about Luminous Church just in these two verses. I was thinking about how Jesus said, go to the mountain and I'm going to meet you there. It, it's so funny that they went to the mountain. They did not doubt enough that they didn't go. They actually went. And there's people in this room there's people in our, in our worship center this morning who came in with some doubts about who Jesus is. Maybe it was, does God really love me like that? And, and as you came into this room, it's okay where you are. With the doubts, with the questions, with the confusion, where you want clarity, I believe that God is going to give you clarity. And you are welcome here in this place. If you're a guest with us this morning, I want to let you know that you are welcome here. Thank you for coming because you came to the mountain and you want to see Jesus. And in that moment, 
you may have doubts. In verse 18, and Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Verse 19, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. These verses are very, very direct. They don't need a lot of explanation. They just need, they just need an attitude towards these verses. Francis Chan says this. He tells this story. This father was telling his daughter, go clean your room. She goes, okay, dad, I'll, I'll do that. And he comes back, he sees her and goes, have you cleaned your room? Go clean your room. She goes, no, dad, I haven't cleaned my room yet. I actually, I wrote down what you said and I wanted to understand what that meant better. He goes back to her and goes, have you cleaned your room yet? Dad, I, I have not cleaned my room yet. You see, I, I went and got a circle of friends and we talked about what it looks like to clean the room. And then he goes back to her later, have you cleaned your room yet? And he goes, dad, she goes, Dad, actually, we've been praying about cleaning the room for a while now. And all the while, the room wasn't getting clean. I think that's what our life can be like, church, with the Great Commission. Hey, 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 come to Bible study, come study, come read, gain more, pray about doing the Great Commission, but it's just an act of obedience. Will we actually step out and do what Jesus called us to do. I think that's us too often. In Matthew 28, 16, and 17, as they were up on the mountain, I think it's awesome that Jesus is given the great commission on top of a mountain. This probably was maybe the mountain where he gave his greatest sermon in Matthew chapter 5. But we see that Moses went up to a mountain to get a set of laws and get a set of way, uh, ways that we should live by. And here Jesus has his disciples come up to a mountain. And he says, verse 18, and Jesus came and said to him, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Verse 19, go. Point one, just go. Just go. You haven't, you ever played the game where if I could go anywhere in the world, where would I go? Have you ever done that? You're like, man, if I could go anywhere, this is where I want to go. I want you to tell your neighbor right now, tell them where you would go if you could go anywhere. Money has no limits. Ready? Go. <laughs> so fun. Some of you are throwing out abstract things that man has never been before, like Mars. Some of you, it's, it's Paris. Some of you, it's Hawaii. You really want to go to the places that you're curious about? I love this game. I love this game, just going. In fact, I play this game a lot. I like to play it. I don't know why. It's just fun, especially on a road trip. It's like we're already going somewhere, but I'm talking about going somewhere else. That's so weird. Never satisfied. Man, there's, there's a new restaurant in Lock and Terra. I was telling Renee about this. It's called Whiskey Cake. Have any of y'all been to Whiskey Cake? It's like Angel and me can relate to Whiskey Cake. It's awesome, man. I heard about whiskey cake. When my wife had brunch there, and they said, she said that they had the best French toast in town. Man, something perked up in me. I was like, man, this is awesome. I love French toast. And so, so I've, been, I've been wanting to go for a long time now. 
And, and we just went on date night the other night, and then I took Tad back um, later that week. And so I'll probably go back again, um, probably maybe today. Who knows? You know, it's just you got to scratch the itch, right? And when you scratch the itch, it's like, man, I got to scratch it more and more and more. We're just like this. We love to go as a people. We love to go. We don't have a problem going. We're always going somewhere. Think about it. How many of you hate traffic? How many of you hate stop and go traffic? You would rather go than stop, right? It's like when you stop, it's like then you maybe you're going to sneak a text message real quick, you know, because that's illegal. Maybe you do that. I don't know. But I hate stop and go traffic. We love to go. We love to go. We, we interchange this word with go in our mission statement. Our mission statement, we exist to release our resources to reach the campus community and the world with the light of Jesus Christ. We want to reach. So go can be interchanged with reach. Go can be interchanged with engage. And that's the point. Jesus is saying, I want you go, and in your going, in your going, I want you to do something. Point two, I want you to make. I want you to make. Make is really the action word here. Not go, but make. See, we're all going. We're all moving. We're all doing things. But I want you to make. And we use this laissez-faire mentality where we sit back and things are just going to happen if we just let it happen. Have you, any of you done that before? It's just going to happen. I do that with my homework every time. And every time I do that, it's an F. It's weird how that works. But we are, man, we're in this deistic culture where deism is all about it, where God snapped his fingers and life went in motion and everything set its course and God is set back observing what's happening. So many people that I encountered think this on the college campus, but not just the college campus. This happens in communities and families. This happens wherever they go, where God doesn't play a part and what we're supposed to be doing and what we're doing. And I just don't think that's true. And if you know me, if, you, if you've been at Luminous Church for any amount of time, we, we joke around that, that we should rename our church um, Intense Church. Because <laughs> we're just so intense. I mean, we got Tyler up here just, you know, singing at the top of his lungs. You have Ashley over here doing her own little song over here. Nobody knows what she's singing. She just, she's with the Lord. It's awesome. You know, we got David drumming, and then every once in a while taking out his earphones so he can hear me sing as loud as I can. That's why I sit up here, because you don't want to hear me sing. We, we are intense in everything we do. You come through our doors, we give you a hug, right? We're like, hey, I'm so glad you're here. I've never met you. Don't hug me. You're in my bubble. We're intense, man. We're intense. But it's because deism has no part in my life. I believe that God encountered me in a real way and that he still encounters me every day. Every day there's this relationship between me and the Father. And I'm loved by him greatly and there's many things happening and Jesus is very much a part of my life. He affects my decisions and he affects how I release whatever I have how I spend my talents, how I spend my time, how we spend our money. He is very much a part of our life. And it's really our heart that he would be a part of yours. Because here's the thing is that when you get a revelation 
of who Jesus is and his love for you, you'll never be the same. Never. We see the life of Jesus, and deism is really weird because people don't really know what they believe. Because they believe in Jesus, and yet Jesus is the Son of God. And he comes, and he lives this life, and he interacts with us. And, and he models exactly what we should do, the intentionality of make. In Matthew chapter 4, verse 18 and 19, while walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who is called Peter and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. Jesus was all about making disciples. It's what he did. He said, if you follow me, I will make you into something. I'll make you into something great. I'll make you where you're not fishing for fish, but you're fishing for men. I'm going to make you into something. And three and a half years later, when he calls him up to a mountain, he goes, hey, you've been made into something. And now I want you to go make something. And that call to them was the same call to us. That you've been made into something by the presence of Jesus. You've been made into something by following Jesus. You've been made into something when you said yes to Jesus. You've been made into an amazing son and daughter grafted in. And now I want you to go make. Everyone is included. That's what I love about Jesus. That this, this gospel of Jesus is not exclusive. It's very inclusive. It's why I look around this room and I say, you belong. You belong here. You belong here. You are not outcasts. There's nothing that keeps you from belonging in this room. Nothing. You belong here. You belong here, Emmy, in your doubts, Emmy, in your unbelief, Emmy, when you're weary, Emmy, when you're thinking things that you shouldn't be thinking, Emmy, when you do things that you shouldn't be doing, you belong here. And you have to know that. And if I don't do a good job of being inclusive with you, then I'm sorry. Then I'm sorry. I've missed it. I missed something if you do not feel included in this place. And if you came into this room and you who call this place Luminous Church have excluded anybody around you, I hope that you say you're sorry as well. So that we could be a people that allow people to belong before they ever believe. Need me in their doubts. They fit here. Everyone is included. Every nation. I want you to go to every nation. I'm so thankful we're part of a movement that is literally going to every nation. Every nation ministries is a movement that we're a part of where they're going to the ends of the earth, where they're going all over the place. By 2018, their goal is to have a church in every nation in Asia. Every nation in Asia, we will have a church. And I believe, I believe that some of you will actually end up going to other na nations, just like Janelle, just like so many other people, that you will go and you will fulfill this call to go to every nation. But I don't want us just to go in proximity. I want us to go right here. 
to every nation, to every tribe, to every tongue, to every ethnicity, that when we're going, we're not excluding anyone, that we would be a people for everyone. That when I walk into Starbucks, it doesn't matter what you look like, that is not the prerequisite for me sharing the gospel with you. You see, if you're brown, black, or white, you belong, and the gospel is for you. And that's why we sit in a room that is diverse in nature. And it's why we strive, we strive to be diverse in everything we do. And we're not perfect, and we'll get better. We'll get better to reach every people group. You see, I was, I was told a long time ago that, Ben, you, when you plan a church, okay, here's how you do it. You do A, B, and C. Okay, you go to a suburb, and, and you go where they're building all these new houses. And so then when people move there, they're already Christian, and they'll come through your doors, and they'll belong to your church, and you'll have immediate growth, and it will happen overnight. And, and, and you will only appeal to one certain type of person because you see you, there's a certain type of person you are and you only attract who you are. And, and so you're going to get white, um, middle class people in your church. And, and that's your strategy, Ben. That's how you're going to be successful. And I said, man, that's so good for so many people. There's so many people who need to be reached in suburbs. There's so many people that need to be reached in those communities. There's so many people that need to be reached in gated communities in this city. There's so many people that need to be reached. I'm thankful that people have answered that call. But for me, I don't have a niche. I don't have a niche. I'm not going after a type of people except for lost. If they're lost, I'm going after them. If they're lost, I'm starting a conversation. If they're lost... I want them. And if they don't belong anywhere, I want them too. If they're found but isolated, I want them as well. If they're a Christian out there doing life by themselves in an apartment with no community and no friends and no family, I want them too. And I thank God that we're not a church that has a niche. I guess if our only niche, it would be passion. <laughs> You're not passionate. You may just... Feel isolated, but we'll keep you here. The gospel is for everyone. It's for everyone. Point four, baptize. We must baptize people. Say this with me. We must baptize people. We believe heavily in baptism. Baptism is such a symbolism of what Jesus has done in your life. And there's only two things that really Jesus um, commanded as, as our sacraments is baptize people and take communion. Do it. Do it. It's why we offer communion now every Sunday on your way in. You can grab communion and take it during worship. And you can have a moment with God. But we'll also have corporate moments like that. And we'll do that in community groups. And we'll do that other places. But we must baptize people. You see, when people, lost people become found people, they must step into baptism because it's an obedience thing. And you'll watch what God does through that. You'll watch what God does through that. And so you, if you're a Christian in here and you have not been baptized, then on your connect card, it says baptisms. I'm interested in baptism. Check the box. And if you're 60 and you're not baptized yet, check the box. 
And if you got saved yesterday, check the box. Because baptism is something incredible. And we're going to have baptisms on Easter. And I'm so excited that we'll get to celebrate what God is doing. Point five, teach. We must teach. We must teach. How many of you have the gift of teaching? Doctor. Russ, Russ teaches. Russ teaches. Some of y'all teach. Some of you are teachers. Okay, who does not have the gift of teaching? Hallelujah. I'm right there. I'm right there. <laughs> you know what? It's so funny. We're supposed to teach our children, right? Teach our children. How many of you are not going to have children because you can't teach? Right? It's like, oh, man, babe, maybe we shouldn't have children because I'm just not a gifted teacher. Right? That's not what he's saying. He's, he's saying is as you follow Jesus, you're going to learn stuff and you're going to be able to impart it into different people by just living towards Jesus and pointing people towards him. So many times that we disqualify ourselves because we, we you know, say we're not gifted in that, but God has gifted all of us and all of us are able to teach in different ways. All of us. It says this, um, Teach them to observe all that I commanded. Observe. Don't teach them all that I commanded. Teach them to observe all that I commanded. What this means is the Greek word for observe there is to guard. Teach them to guard all that I've commanded. Teach them to guard this good deposit that's inside of them. Teach them to guard it and fight for it and long for it. It's why I'm on the phone yesterday talking to this guy that I'm meeting with in our discipleship track. And he's saying, I don't have a testimony. And I go, bro, tell me what your life was like before Christ. What did you do? Okay, awesome. Awesome. Yeah, that's great. Now tell me how you met Jesus. Now how are you different today? And I just started preaching to him and said, bro, you got a great testimony. If I were you, I'm going to tell you your testimony right now. Okay, I was a man who used to have sex. I was a man who used to drink a lot. I was a man who was angry and frustrated and mad. I was a man who was unfaithful. I was a man who was all about myself. But you know what? When I went to the college campus, somebody shared the gospel with me. I responded to Jesus, and now I have a new commitment conviction and I'm not perfect and I still struggle but I'm so thankful that I'm not doing these things that please myself and I know that I'm living this life of of consequences that I sowed but I know that God has given me strength right now to be victorious in every way and I go bro that's your testimony that's it right there get excited yes you can clap you can clap when I yell you can clap just so you can be a part of this that man that's powerful and I go, now go love somebody and tell them that. Tell them that and watch what happens. Watch what Jesus does through your story. Story's powerful. And in this room, there is so much power. There's so much power in this room. So many things that you can say and do and tell to change this city. You have it. You have it. Guard this. Guard this treasure. Guard this testimony. Guard this love of God and love of people. Proverbs 4, 23 says this. Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. And so as Jesus has grabbed your heart, guard it. Guard that. Guard that. 
It's why we encourage one another. It's why iron sharpens iron. It's why in our discipleship track that it's all about, um, it's, it's 80% encouragement. And if you're in a relationship where they're always saying, man, you got to be better. You got to do more. You got to perfect, you know, all this stuff. And it's 80% discouragement. That's a bad relationship. Discipleship is all about encouraging one another, spurring each other on to the good works of Jesus Christ. And I love this. Jesus says, I am with you. I'm with you. Bless you. I'm with you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. I hope that you know that this morning. I hope when you come to Luminous Church that you would be reminded, Jesus is with you. I can't, I can't tell how many stories and how I used to feel this way too. You go to church Sunday and by Saturday you're like, do you hear me with me anymore? As you're at the club. <laughs> it's okay. Come Sunday, and Jesus is with you. He's with you. Chris, come help me close this out. Y'all give it up for Chris B. Hill. He's, yes, powerful man of God. Man, so thankful for you. Thankful for Chris. Thankful for his service this morning to Luminous. Man, we, in two weeks, we have Easter. And four, three months ago, on January 11th, we were in uh, theater 14, and we put these invite cards on each chair. And we encouraged everybody to grab an invite card and give it away. Give it away. Over the next two weeks, we're going to do the same thing. We're going to do the same thing. On your way out today, ushers will be handing you an invite card. And so how will we go this week? Last week, we, uh, Angela encouraged us, go with your story. Go with your story. Share your story with somebody. This week, I want to encourage you to go by paying it forward. Go by paying it forward. Pay for somebody's coffee, pay for somebody's lunch, pay for somebody's dinner, and leave them a card. Leave them a card. That's it. I realize introverts hate talking. <laughs> Just out loud. I'm always talking in their head. So why don't you just leave a card? Why can't we be the reach part? Why can't we be the go part? Why in our going, let's leave something. In our going, let's be intentional. I want to encourage everybody to do that this week. In two weeks, we'll present the gospel in a powerful way where I guarantee you people are going to get saved. Jesus is going to meet people in two weeks and lives will never be the same. It happened last time. I believe this, is, this will be our greatest day. This will be our greatest day. Those you're believing for, bring them. Friends, your family, bring them. Promise you, Jesus will meet them. Can I pray for you? Father, I just love you. And we love you, Lord, this morning. I thank you for the promise. This is a promise that you're with us always. Always. <laughs> There's nowhere you can go 
to hide from Jesus. No height, no depth. There's not a low enough place to get away from his pursuit for you. That Jesus has always had you on his mind. He's not going to leave you as an orphan. You need to be reminded of that today. Jesus loves you. I thank you, Lord, for loving your children this morning and for loving your people. God, show up this week and reveal yourself. We love you, Lord. Amen. If you would, stand with me. And on your way out this morning,